Hello, and welcome to the Monthly Comic Spotlight on the Comic Book Page Podcast. My name is John Mann. In this episode, we'll be discussing recently released comics. One from DC, one from Marvel, and at least one other. As always, we'll keep major spoilers to a minimum, but we'll discuss general plot points and storylines of the comics we review. In this monthly comic spotlight, I am joined by James, and we're going to discuss some of the comics we got in September 2022. James, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great, John. How are you? I am doing well, and this pretty much gets us caught up. I mean, I've got last week's comics, the first week of October, that I haven't read yet, because well, we're just talking about September yet, and I'd get too confused otherwise, and haven't had time to read those. But other than yeah. that one week, and plus whatever comes out this week, I'm back current-ish again. Nice. That's really good. I mean, you're probably happy to be caught up with all the uh, the stuff that backed up. I am. I am. And I've been taking a couple of notes this time around. I actually started a list of here are all the, the, the theoretically ongoing titles. And do I want to keep them? Do I want to drop them? Do I not know yet? That sort of a thing. Trying to get a little more organized where I can be a little more thoughtful and stuff as I'm placing orders. Yeah, that makes sense. Me, me I, I'm an emotional orderer. <laughs> so, like, I put my order together, and then I'm like, I'm getting too much stuff, and I just start cutting things haphazardly. Not necessarily the best way to do it. I'm a lazy orderer. It's like, well, I've been getting this. I may as well keep getting this. <laughs> well, and, and again, I've only listed, like, the theoretically long-term titles. And I say theoretically because, I mean, there were a couple I had on here. It's like, oh, well, this was the last issue, so I guess I don't need that. In other words, I'm not worried about the miniseries and stuff like that at the moment. Yeah. I may add those to this, but I'm just trying to think, you know, Batman, Wonder Woman, Avengers, X-Men, those kinds of things. Do they stay? Do they go? Yeah, exactly. Because uh, we talked on some of those things, and yeah, I'm sure we'll talk on them more, but like, I was kind of happy to hear that Aaron was reaching his the end of his run on Avengers. Yeah. I was really happy to hear that, because I'm like, I think I can muscle it through to the end. <laughs> well... There are a few titles, and Aaron's Avengers is one of them, but also, like, Fantastic Four. We've just switched to another creative team for two issues, and then they're relaunching the title. Yeah. So it's like, I'm not going to make a decision at this point. They're going to kind of ride that out, but there's going to come a point where, as I'm getting new new titles or new creative teams on titles, I, I've got to be a bit more, I don't say draconian, but a bit more thoughtful about what I am and am not getting. No, I understand what you mean, because, like, Fantastic Four, you just mentioned that. It's Ryan North. Nothing wrong with Ryan North, but the thing that he's notable for is Squirrel Girl, which is not something I, I ever read and I didn't want to read it. And so he'll have to win me as a reader. I'll, I'll give him a, like a couple issues, maybe an arc, and then if he doesn't win me over, I'm out. All right. So let me let me see if I'm understanding this because I'm going to call back to it later. Okay. A creator from Squirrel Girl wasn't a selling point and you're thinking about not getting the book because of that. I was thinking about it. I saw that. And I- okay, I'm not. I am not judging. Yeah, <laughs> this is pretty much going to be a direct quote I'm using for how I'm deciding on a book. You know, when we actually start talking about DC. Yeah, I mean, when you think of Ryan North, it's Squirrel Girl, and I was like, that's just not something that was for me. And I'm like, I'm hoping he finds a voice or has the voice for the Fantastic Four, but I'm not going into it with a lot of anticipation. Let's say that. Yeah, no, I, I'm, and that's why it's one of those that I haven't decided on. Maybe I'll keep it, maybe I won't. I love, I, I've been reading the Fantastic Four forever and a day, so right now, my categorizations are kind of neutral, 
leaning towards keeping or dropping and definitely keeping or dropping. <laughs> yeah, and some people have surprised me. So like I said, I'm going to give him a few issues just to see, but he'll ha- definitely have to win me over is what I would say. Yeah, yeah, no, I can understand that. Shall we dive into DC? Yeah, let me go ahead and filter my list here. Let's do that. All right, got my DC stuff. All right, I got 23 comics from DC. Wow, me too, 23. There were a couple that were definite highlights, a couple that were you know, solid and whatnot, and a few that it's like, yeah, I don't know about this. <laughs> I think I can guess one of your highlights, which is also one of mine. Okay. Nightwing 96. Actually, that was in one of those that was just, uh, it, was, it was good, but there were one or two things that, that kept it from being in that highlight area. Oh, what kept it from you? For I you? really didn't care for that whole Comics Code Authority riff they could have done. Oh, they did. you didn't like that. I mean, there was no need for it. It could have and should have been avoided. That oh, okay. having been said, nice scene with uh, Nightwing and Batgirl there at the end and such. But my other note is it looks like the Heartless story might actually be getting started next issue. Yes, it does. The way it ended, I was like, wow, it's interesting. only a year or so in the making, so why not start it now? <laughs> Because we've been going for so long and nothing happened with it, and then now we get a really big thing happening with Heartless. So I, I'm I'm hoping that that does well, and I like the way that the story before this everything kind of wrapped up here to get you know usher us into this new story arc. Yeah, I'm just a little annoyed that they've been teasing the story arc for forever and a day now, and it's like, come on, let's get to it. And now we are, yeah. but it's like. It was one of those things that it's like, this is a really one of the best titles, I think, at, at DC right now, but I think there are some, it's it's not perfect. Okay. Well, there are two that I really liked, but I, I don't think you got, but okay. so you'll have to tell me your highlights. For me, the best of the bunch, and it surprised me, I did not expect it, I picked it up because it's like, well, I've been, been picking this up, this property up, it's changing titles. It's Batman versus Robin number one. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Mark enjoyed it. was writing, and I hadn't really realized that. I had yeah. low expectations for this, but it's like, man, this thing blew me out of the water. It was great. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. And it's kind of weird because, like, you start to figure out, oh, I don't want to jump ahead. Never mind. I, I think I read the second issue. Did that come out? It may have come out in October. This is why I don't read ahead. Okay. I'm not going to say anything It did more. come out in October. For me, with the first one of Batman versus Robin, they bring a character back Yes, that in lesser hands, it's like, oh, come on. I mean... Not that I don't want the character back, but come on. But it, Mark Wade made it play, it worked, and I mean, we've had Damien versus Bruce on and off again over the years, so going back to the well on this, I'm like, oh, really? And I'll be honest, I wasn't overly impressed with the Robin series this kind of spins out of. I agree. So, I again, this was one that if, if I had rethought my order, kind of using my current mindset, I might not have gotten, but I'm really glad I did. Yeah, and the writer definitely sold it for me. Yeah, yeah. Because he's a much better writer than, I can't remember who was writing Robin, I think it was Williams. Probably. Uh, yeah, it, it, this was definitely much better. And one thing I, I will say, it's, I'm not going to say it's a spoiler, but it's kind of a little bit, it does tie into his other book that he's writing, which is the um, the Superman. Batman, Batman Superman's World Finals. Batman, yeah. Super, yeah, it definitely ties into that. So you, you'll see that, and I'm sorry for that that little oh, spoiler. <laughs> What did you think of uh, Batman Superman's World Finest number seven? I really enjoyed that, too. It, it was an odd issue because we get a character that has a Superman-like origin. That was the thing that was odd with it. <laughs> oh, when it starts with, you know, this kid rocketed from a doomed planet using a hypertime drive. Yeah, his family and planet's destroyed. It's like, 
I don't know where this is going, and with Wade and hypertime involved, it literally could go anywhere. Yeah, so it, it that was weird. I didn't like World's Finest as much as I like Batman and Robin, because of that, I don't know where we're going with it. Mm-hmm. But I did enjoy the read a lot. Well, the other thing I found interesting was, if you look at that cover, that costume that this kid's wearing, yeah, we've kind of seen before. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It was from the original, I think, World's Finest way back in the day, and it was when Superman lost his powers and decided to go the Batman route and became Nova. Okay, all right, cool, cool. And, you know, with, with Mark Wade, I know that's no accident that he's he's pulling that out. Yeah, I, I, I found it weird because it's a kid who's lost his family, and with what happens with that kid, and Bruce kind of takes on the role that he does with Robin. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm just like, there's an opening, an opportunity. It doesn't seem like it's going to mess anything up. Why are you stepping in here? I, I, I just found that disingenuous. I, I would think the natural thing would be like, pair up the family, you know? Does that make sense to you? It kind of does. I mean, they, there was a moment when this kid's on this world and meets some people and it doesn't go well. And I'm like, yeah. that was an interesting scene. Yeah. But, you know, Mark Wade, Dan Mora, great creative team. I'm not surprised. I'm really enjoying this title. Yeah, it, it was good. I, I I think it's terrific. And now, you want to hear the ones that I really enjoyed? Mm-hmm. Okay, and I don't think you got these. Deceased War of the Undead Gods, number two. It was fantastic. It was my book of the month. I think more people should read it. And I think it's going to be collected in Omnibus based on the, all the miniseries he has coming out. You have Green Lanterns and Yellow Lanterns heading towards a planet that's in distress. And they don't know what the distress is. And automatically, of course, Green Lanterns think Yellow Lanterns bad. Mm-hmm. But really, the planet was under attack by Darkseid and Superman under the influence of the virus. And so the Yellow Lanterns are actually trying to save the people. The Green Lanterns actually, by them stepping in, may exacerbate the problem. Kind of inverts who's the good guys and the bad guys almost, yeah. Get some people killed. Yeah, so it was like, wow, wow, that's amazing. So it was really cool, not what you'd expect. And the other one that was really, really good, which I enjoyed was Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead. Mm. <laughs> it was really good. It's like It was like an Elseworlds book. So basically, what if Hitler, in the waning days of World War II, he's losing, he doesn't have a lot of equipment, he doesn't have a lot of manpower, manpower being the big thing, finds a way to resurrect the dead and get these undead Nazis to go and fight. And so it, it's a World War II book with, with zombies. And it was just a lot of fun. And I thought it was just terrific. I enjoyed it. You don't get a lot of war books, and this is a little bit of a different spin on a war book, and I just thought it was fun. Cool. Yeah, so really good read. What did you think of uh, Flashpoint Beyond Number 5? Because that was one of the other ones that really was great for me this time around. Flashpoint Beyond Number 5, That it started with a huge info dump. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, that that kind of put me off at the beginning, but there's a lot of stuff that's going on in there, and that's one of the one, things I wanted to figure out, because like, You know, we had to create the explosion that seems to try to explain the multiverse, the omniverse and hypertime, etc., and how they all work together and separately. You're getting like chalkboards kind of laying it all out. And it felt like, is this being set up to where continuity is just getting thrown away forever because it doesn't really matter and it can be explained away? I'm not sure why they're doing that. I liked it. I liked the book itself, the reading, but I'm like, I don't know why this is happening. So you tell me your take on it. Well, I mean, this is definitely tying into Dark Crisis. There's no question about that whatsoever now. 
Yes. I mean, that whole opening is trying to explain Dark Crisis, Hypertime, a few other things. It's like Jeff Johns' dissertation on continuity in the DC universes. Which was just insane. It was a lot. <laughs> I, I think it's must-reading for people who want that larger picture of the chaos that is DC continuity. Yeah, I agree. Now, I'm not going to say it's easy reading or not headache-inducing, because it's, it's not easy reading and it is headache-inducing, but it was interesting. There were a couple of pages in there. I mean, there was one where we get this this two-page splash of Batman, of, of the Flashpoint world, entering Arkham's Batman and stuff. And there are images of various Robin's deaths in the shattered glass. And I'm like, why? That's what I was thinking, why? And there were a couple other things where it looks like somebody killed somebody. I'm like, when, how, huh? You know, they, they drop a few other reveals. This is, in this world too, apparently Arkham has a, a basement that's, you know, just a playground for the... Uh, the inmates and stuff in an inexplicable way. And, I mean, it was a good issue, but it was just confusing in places. And I'm glad this miniseries seems to be getting an extra issue to let things play out. Yes! Okay, okay. That, what you just said kind of resonated with me. I'm glad they're getting an extra issue to expand, because there's too much information in here, and he needs to. Mm-hmm. And the, the other thing was, I, there were parts of this, I had to read it a couple times. It was very confusing, because there's just so much going on. I was like, this is Kind of insane and yet good. I think if you're yes. hardcore into DC continuity, you're going to love and love this. If you are someone who is not heavy into that, you're probably going to hate this, I would think. Yeah, it's definitely not for everybody. Yeah, exactly. It's for the hardcore DC reader, I think, the really hardcore longtime fan. I just hope Jeff Johns, Mark Wade, whoever's actually in charge of DC continuity and stuff these days are all kind of on that same page. Me too, because, yeah, there's a lot that went on, and this is actually, it feels like it's more impactful to the future of DC than Dark Crisis. Yeah, I would agree with that. This had a lot more what I would consider Hallmark crisis-ish things than Dark Crisis has kind of had sometimes. Which is kind of funny. Because, <laughs> I mean, we got issue number four here, and I'm like, yeah. the, the pendulum seems to be swinging back towards a multiverse. Not a huge surprise. But then there were a couple other characters that were in here, that I'm like, okay, you're using Yara Floor. At least that's who it looks like. But I mean, it just as easily could have been Donna Troy or, or almost any Wonder Girl-ish kind of character. Yeah. I think Dark Crisis is improving, but I don't think that's saying a lot. And there's still a couple of things that are frustrating me because I forget it. I think it was here where they were referencing some stuff that had happened with like Shazam and stuff over in Titans Academy, yet they're blatantly ignoring some of the other stuff that happened in Titans Academy with a few other characters, which is a kind of an ongoing big plot point in this title. And I'm like, either that series happened or it didn't. It can't be both ways. Yes. Yeah. So I do agree with you that I think Flashpoint is a better read than Dark Crisis. Dark Crisis is, is improving from the beginning. It, it just, for some reason, it doesn't seem like there's as much beat on the bone. And some of the the conflict in there and some of the the things that are happening, I, I don't think it needed to happen. I think like they, it could have just played out a little bit differently. I, I don't know. I would agree with that. But then in the doesn't-need-to-have-happened kind of a thing, that brings to mind Justice League versus Legion of Superheroes. Yeah. Totally yeah. did not land the ending for me. Yeah. Some of the key resolution apparently happened off-panel. <laughs> That's great. That's always wonderful. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, at this point, I'm ready for the original Legion to come back. I have faith that Jeff Johns, that's probably where he's going to go. And we actually got a question, and we'll get to it at the end, uh, around the Legion. In other words, is this Legion team viable or not? Actually, let's go ahead and just discuss that now. And I think the answer is, potentially it could be, but not with Bendis at the helm. 
I'd agree. Because, I mean, these issues often start out with a page of soliloquy from some random character or whatnot, and just Bendis feels the need to have the entire team front and center, and there's like 30 characters. Yeah. He made it too verbose and too many people just yammering over each other. I, I had dropped his Legion title just because it, it was not fun to read. It was disappointing, and I thought at one point Brainiac 5 had told Gold Lantern, or, or told somebody, I don't remember if it was Gold Lantern or not, but that the Gold Lantern ring didn't seem like it came from the Owens and such, and this, that, and the other had to be the case, or ha- what couldn't be the case, or whatever. And then we get to this issue, and some of the stuff that I, and maybe I just need to reread, maybe my memory's faulty or whatever, but stuff that had been established as being one way, it's like, nah, nah, forget that, we're just going to go this other way instead. Yeah. And it's like, just disappointing. Very disappointing. Yeah, so that's too bad. The ending did not get stuck. And, you know, on the Dark Crisis topic, the other things that we got from the Dark Crisis, I, I, I wasn't enjoying. I didn't enjoy the Dark Crisis worlds without a Justice League Wonder Woman. Um, most of those worlds without Justice League, I just think they weren't good. And the Young Justice books, Dark Crisis Young Justice that we got issue four, mm-hmm. those those aren't working for me either. The world without a Justice League stuff, I, I'm not getting the point of them. I hope there's some sort of payoff with that. It may be happening in Dark Crisis 5, but there's still one or two to come after that, at which point, did you not have your ducks in a row and figure out the, the shipping order of these things? It would make sense to play off of the point of these worlds after you've shown them all. But yeah. then, with Young Justice, the Dark Crisis Young Justice stuff, I mean, yeah, the train wreck continues. Yeah, if they were going to take those worlds, worlds without a Justice League, and make them kind of like future pillars, I, I don't think they could or should or would. That would just not make me excited about reading those. They could just wind up being other worlds in the new multiverse, megaverse, omniverse, whatever verse. That's probably the direction I would guess. Yeah. 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 Hey, by the way, we got a Dark Knights of Steel, but it was not what I was expecting. Did you get that? I was just going to ask you about that. The <laughs> Tales from the Three Kingdoms. All right. I I, I was so frustrated. <laughs> I had basically lost track of this title because it just hadn't come out for a while. Yeah, it disappeared. So I guess they used this kind of as a filler or something. Yeah, we just get this anthology of almost pointless stories, I felt like. It, because, hey, we can't ship the book or Tom's too bu- busy doing other things. so. Here you go. It was just frustrating because it doesn't tie into the other story at all. What are we reading? <laughs> the first one sets up a suicide squad of sorts for this world. Yeah. The second one sets up the Robins of this world, which was actually kind of interesting. But it was hilarious when young Cal is wearing glasses as a disguise. And I'm like, this is kind of like a medieval world. Wouldn't glasses really stand out in this time frame? <laughs> you think so. It's like, come on, guys. <laughs> and then the last one was kind of the backstory of Bane in this world and whatnot, and it was it was interesting and whatnot. I mean, the issue was good, but the main series, the miniseries hasn't come out for a while, like June, I think, was the last time. So the the narrative in this world has just kind of lost some momentum for me, and I don't think that benefits it. It really has, and I, I don't think I, just me personally, I don't want to read expanded stories in this world. Like, we got the Batman the White Knight that came out by, I can't remember what's his name, whoever wrote that. And they, they're trying to build a world around it. They kept having these little mini-series and yeah. spinoffs and everything. I don't want to do that with Dark Knights of Steel. I like the original story. That's what I want to read. And I'm afraid that they're going to keep doing these spinoffs with writer X, Y, and Z. And 
I'm not really excited about that if that's a direction that they may go in the future. I don't think they're doing that with Dark Knights of Steel. I think this was just to kind of keep the property alive while they're having yeah. scheduling issues. But I do think it's funny that the White Knight universe has, I think, had more issues across the three or four different miniseries than the Legion of Superheroes under Bendis has had between the 12 issues of its run, the six issues of JLA Versus, and the two issues of Millennium before it. Yeah. <laughs> You're not joking. It's, a, it's becoming a lot. I, I can't read it anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's just kind of funny. Yeah, it is funny. I mean, th- then there's other things that came out that, you know, I'm just, they were kind of like, yeah, that's okay, you know, okay stuff that came out. I mean, that's for me. Like like action comics, hey, that's okay. Kal-El is back. He was back, but I was actually wanting Superman in the story. He was not bad. It was just underwhelming. It was underwhelming. It's just kind of like, eh, it's just there. Yeah, well, it's like he's back, but let's kind of talk about everybody else but him. And then the backup feature, which takes place before the lead story, which is ironic, given it's presented literally after it. It's like, can't, I mean, I, I know you can't put the backup before the lead or whatever, but to have the backup take place leading into how Superman gets back, and it's like, ah, it felt backwards. Just it, it really did. And it seems like we're not totally done with the World World arc yet, and they're like, please don't continue that, and yes, they are. It's like, come on. Yeah. And, and by the way, another one that I was kind of disappointed with was Batman 127, and I, I put in here in my notes, I was like, I see what John was getting at last time we talked about it. It, it, the Batman main story was starting to lose me because I enjoyed Zdarsky when he first came on and he was writing it. And then it's like the Zer and R thing, yeah. whatever this guy, the guy's name is, isn't working for me. And the failsafe buddy team up just felt weird. And so I just was like, I, I like the backup story. Cobblepot, you know, how that all played out. They were doing some interesting stuff, but it seemed like they're putting out a potential new direction for Catwoman. Yeah. Yeah, and that's it's like, how it felt. doesn't she have an ongoing series or something? I, yeah, I that's I've what lost I lost track. I don't get it. Yeah, I think it's up to issue fifty something. <laughs> the other thing with the lead story here is, it looked like at one point Batman was sitting there using a lightsaber or something. It did. It was really weird. It's just it, it's gotten bizarre, and I, I, I'm enjoying it less. And I felt like Zdarsky did, has written better at Daredevil, so I expected more here in Batman than what I'm getting. Yeah. This is one of those that in my list of what titles am I keeping and stuff, it's like, I don't know about this one. Yeah. It, it, the, the, the bad thing is, I think that backup story was wrapping up in this issue. It was, but it looked like it could also launch either a new Catwoman title or a new direction in the current one. Or Very true. It's like, do we need that? It, not really. <laughs> but it, like you said before, when we first talked about this, the backup story is better than the main story. And that's not a good sign, I would say. I would agree with that. Yeah, I'm fortunate. So, I mean, other things I, I've already canceled, you know, I canceled, I got Batman Beyond the White Knight, number five, I'm done with that, I'm done mm-hmm. with the White Knights, Black Adam, I canceled it. I'm dropping that one too, I've got one more on pre-order, uh, it's just not the kind of story I want. Yeah, the the other thing that I wanted to ask you about, did you read the detective issue? Because I really did not like it, 1064. I read that, I didn't care for the lead story, the art in the backup was not at all to my liking, this is another one, it's like, should I keep getting this? That's how I felt. It's like, time to cancel with a question mark. That's my one of my comments in here. Yeah, this is under my, my thinking about dropping category. Yeah. I, now, I will say, you and I had, like, duo the entire time, mm-hmm. but I felt like issue number five, it got a little bit weird. It took on almost a messianic angle, you know, from the side. Yeah. 
and you know they walk through sheets and reveal themselves and use nanobots to heal the sick and infirm. It just got really like Jesus walking among the lepers type thing. Is it got kind of weird? <laughs> well, and it also set up what looks to be a multi-way fight next issue between like four different groups. Yeah, what is going to happen? So that, that this issue was not bad. It was just the the weirdest issue I read. I would oh, agree with bizarre. that, and I I really hope Greg Pak can land the ending on this one. Me too. So I, I'm crossing my fingers. And the, the last thing I was going to tell you about on my end is nice house on a lake. The story's getting a little long in the tooth, and it was delayed for a while, so it kind of killed a little bit of the momentum. So we only have two more issues. I hope it ends well. Okay, for the last one I want to talk about, did you pick up Tim Drake, Robin? I did not, <laughs> based on the creative team. <laughs> tell me what you thought. You made the right choice. <laughs> Megan Fitzmartin is uh, one of the writers that's probably going to get on the, do I really want to get this list if, if that writer shows up? Yeah. Riley Rosmo. Remember that callback I said I was going to do to Squirrel Girl? Yeah. This was the artist. Oh, yeah, he's the worst artist. Oh, my gosh. It's not that he's a bad artist. He's a very stylized artist. Yeah. It kind of sort of worked for what they were doing in Squirrel Girl. Not art style to my liking. Certainly not at all what I would want on the Tim Drake Robin property. There was a two-page splash of the Gotham Marina where Tim's apparently living on a boat now. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> and, and the marina was a mess. It's like, how do these boats get in or out? Has, has this artist ever seen the marina? Like, Whatever. He's not going for realistic style. I get it. There were a couple of places where there were close-ups on hands doing sign language. I think they were Tim Drake's, but I'm not positive. I'm like, what is with the sign language? The other character he's with doesn't seem to be deaf, but whatever. <laughs> and this was a first issue, but it seems to be continuing a story from the DC Pride Tim Drake special, which I didn't get because they actually footnote to that. There's a bit where Tim's cape does this weird kind of thing to set him up to where he can like, glide or fly or something, and I'm like, wait, how was that supposed to work? <laughs> I've got the next two of these on pre-order, but I am not ordering any more of these things, and I was overly optimistic, but the bottom line is I don't like this take on Tim Drake. I don't think it matches what had been firmly established in the nearly 200-issue run of his original title. Actually, his original title was a five-issue miniseries, followed by like another five-issue miniseries, by another five-issue miniseries, and then by like a 191-or-something-issue ongoing title. All of that, in terms of tone, style, look of, of the art, and so forth, totally alien to this title. That's sad. That's too bad. Because I imagine there's fans of the character that are just kind of disappointed right now. You being one of them. Me being one of them. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. I was I was very disappointed with this. Yeah. And when they bump me off a title like this, they've got to actively get me back. And depending how disenchanted I am and how cynical I am, that may be really hard. I could see that. I really could see that. And now with DC giving you the option to uh, just pay digitally and get it, not have to pay a thing, hey. At the very end, (laughs) we have got to talk about the the DC Universe Infinite Ultra tier. Yeah, we definitely got to talk about that. (laughs) That, Yeah, that, yeah. And then there's some other mediocre stuff, like Flash kind of (laughs) happened. Yeah, this this felt like random action just to fill an issue. It was a low point. Pretty much. Pretty much. And, yeah, DC's not at a high point. I'm really hoping that changes in the coming months. Yeah, it, I agree. It may or may not. Some of the stuff I've been seeing in the, the, the articles about the new direction for the action comics line and 
some other stuff certainly sounds interesting. It's just, can they execute well on it? Yeah. All right, enough beating that dying horse. Whack. We beat it to death. Let's move over to Marvel. Yeah. And Marvel, I would say, for the month in, t- in all, you know, general, it was kind of like an okay month. That, that, that's how I would sum up the entire month for the entire publishing line. There were some high points, some low points, but overall it was just kind of okay. <laughs> all right. I, I categorize things into three groups. Essentially, the A's, the B's, and the, mm, yeah, they're there too. Yeah, I'm cutting some things here, by the way. Yeah, I am. <laughs> out of out of Marvel, I really didn't have... I, I, not really. I, I literally didn't have anything that hits that A range. Okay. Yeah, I, I would say there's nothing that's like a real high. Uh, the best thing I read from Marvel was probably either... Probably X-Men number 15. And I also like Ghost Rider number 6. Those were probably the two highlights for me. And they, they weren't A-plus or anything. Yeah, X-Men number 15, where they're dealing with the vault and stuff. Yep. I'm not overly excited about that arc. The vault doesn't really work for me. Although the one story they did with Sync, Darwin, and Wolverine a while back, I thought that was really good. I, I loved it. I thought it was terrific. This this was not so great. This wasn't awesome. What what I think impacted me here on this one is you know you have Forge building that black hole mm-hmm. uh, black hole gun basically to keep the creatures in the vault and then building that. There's a few flips and then you get that virtual reality kind of globe thing, so they think they've yeah. taken over. I think this is the total setup for the event coming in the summer. I think the creatures are going to escape. How could they not? And they all have to unite, and it's going to be Avengers and X-Men and Inhumans and, and the Eternals. <laughs> Whatever that will be. Yeah. <laughs> all fighting to save the Earth and the universe against these vault-like creatures. That's, that's why I think this is going to be possibly an important issue. It may be an important issue, but for all the reasons you just stated, I really hope not. Me too. <laughs> I kind of hope that's not where they're going, but it felt like, man, this is the setup for the event. I was like, yeah, it was, it was decent read. It's like a setup here. Okay, all right. Well, I'm, I'm just trying to see if I'm, if I'm guessing correctly. Could be. Could be. Yeah. Your logic makes sense, and I could totally see going in that direction. Yeah, and then Ghost Rider, I know you're not reading it, but it, it, this is an issue, Ghost Rider and Wolverine, that I want to see, you know, I want to see these characters like this, like they are in this book. So Percy, he's writing Wolverine too, but he doesn't write the character the same as what he's writing here in the Ghost Rider book, which is weird. It, there's a lot of gruesome stuff. You know, Wolverine basically does surgery on the Ghost Rider's head to get something out of his body. Gross. Stuff you would not, you don't see in the current Wolverine. You won't see it anywhere. It's very gross. You should never read this book. But to me, I just... It was a gruesome good time. Yeah, well, Wolverine's one of those books itself that I'm thinking about dropping. This the, the issue 24 was just derailed by Axe. Yeah, it was just Axe derailed a lot of stories this month. Yeah, I felt like I, I felt that way too. It, where we're going to be like, oh, here's the judgment of so and so, and and it's not even someone you necessarily care about. You know, you're like, okay. <sighs> yeah, yeah. There was a lot of that. It's like, yeah. Axe itself was in that C-plus range kind of a thing, and I think that was being a little charitable. And everybody getting judged, it's like, all this month, it's like, come on, enough with this, let's move on. Yeah, because we, we did get Axe 4 and 5, and yeah. by, by your tone, I'm assuming you don't like the, the book, right? For, uh, too much of the story was told in captions, I thought the end was overplayed, and it's like, they can't just kill everyone, I mean, it's hard to tell stories with no characters. Yeah. And then we get to number five, 
and I'm like, okay, we've got a high enough death toll, a couple of people have to get resurrected. I mean, that's the whole thing with the X-Men these days. Yeah. Given how many non-mutant deaths there were, it's like, we know some of them are going to somehow come back. We get to the final page, it was a cool page, it made zero sense. That's exactly what I thought. I Four, I was like, okay, okay, we're going with this, this is cool, whatever. Four, I thought was decent. I got to five, and I literally hated it because of the ending, because why did that happen? How could that happen because they're not part of that network? Well, there's the out-of-network aspect, but there's also an aspect where Jumbo Coronation didn't seem to be there, and I think he absolutely had to be for that to happen. Yep. And it's like, this doesn't work with the rules you set up. And to me, a, a story is a contract. If you say this is how things work, then that's how things work. And you can't just change it without telling us how it changed. And it made for a dramatic image of, hey, that's a kind of a cool image to, to end on, but it runs completely counter to the reality you've set up in this world. I agree. So I hated issue five. I thought it was horrible. I think it broke the entire story, and I think the editors did a bad job on editing for allowing the writer to do that. Yeah, I, I can see all of that. To me, it was actually a better issue than four. Yeah. <laughs> but the fact it kind of broke the story, I wouldn't like in the story. Break it to hell, as far as I'm concerned. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, on the entire event as a whole, I felt like that first issue when we had the X-Men versus the Eternals. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was a story that I wanted to read. That's the event I want to read. Not that it has to be a you know drag out, drop out, you know, fight for seven, six, seven issues. But the Avengers, I felt like screwed this whole thing up. Now we have drama around judgment and yeah, the celestial judging everyone based on decisions they've made. And now they're breaking the story in this. Any everything the Avengers have done in the story ruined it. It should have just been XE. Everything else has been destroyed. Yeah, I think the original thing of X-Men's or Deviants and run with that would have been a good story or better story. Yeah, and you even had a good hook. Like, later on, as the X-Men are getting beat to oblivion or to a pulp, the Inhumans come in on their side. Mm -hmm. That would have been really cool. And you have been like, wow, we reintroduced the Inhumans. Here's an Inhumans book. Wow, that's great. That's what's spinning out. Hell, you could have even established that they are genetic cousins of a sort. That would have been so cool. And maybe they're now welcome on Krakow. I mean, imagine if the way it worked out is the Inhumans come in through one of the X-Men gates, and the X-Men are like, well, how? And the Inhumans are, what do you mean, how? And that would have been like, wow, the big, aha! Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're brothers! (laughs) Cousins, at the very least. Yeah, Yeah. that would have been so cool, and it was just so wasted, and now it's just become stupid. I mean, the premise is stupid. I'm like, the Celestial's a fake gimmick. Yeah, I've never liked the Celestials to begin with. Yeah, so I'm I'm just frustrated with that whole aspect. I felt like they ruined a good story. I think they derailed a number of titles with this. I don't know that I ever thought this was a good story. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) And now, I want to ask you about another one, an axe tie-in that I enjoyed. I did like X-Men Red number six. Did you like that? That was one of the better books. I mean, it kind of explained what was going on with Magneto, which I kind of appreciated. Yes! But this was another one where too much of the story was told in captions. It was. There was a lot of captions. It, it, it ended with like some high stakes, but not that high of stakes based on the X-Men status quo. But I, I, I thought it was written terrifically. I thought it was just the story, not the caption aspect. Mm-hmm. I, X-Men Red has been a really solid title for me. I've enjoyed almost every issue I've gotten. It's been one of the better X titles. I would agree with that. Yeah, because like on, on a side note, you know, one of the ones that was kind of like so-so for me, and this is the last issue I got, was New Mutants number 30. It was an anniversary issue. 
But with the writer change, I just canceled the title at that point. We also got number 29 this month. Oh, yeah, 29 and 30. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, 29, uh, 29 I thought was an okay kind of quote-unquote character issue, but it felt like it was just filler and not overly New Mutants related. And then we hit 30, which was a celebration of 40 years of New Mutants, and they had an in-character party to celebrate it. Yeah. Flashbacks to untold stories. I mean, it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't a great celebration of, of 40 years of, of the New Mutants. No, it really wasn't. It was just a big book. <laughs> That's yeah. all it was. And based on the writer that was coming on, who I can't even remember for the life of me who it is, but it was a writer who I didn't care for, and I, the team, I, it wasn't a great team for me anyways, I went ahead and dropped it at this issue. It's uh, Charlie Anders taking over, I think. Yeah, Charlie Anders, who I, I know nothing about, but I was just like, okay, a, a writer I know nothing about taking over issue 31 on a title that's sitting on the fence at best, I'm out. This is one I'm leaning towards dropping, but have not made the decision. Yeah. Now, was there anything else that you like? I'm liking Captain America's Sentinel of Liberty. I like the Sentinel way more than the symbol of truth. The symbol of truth, it's like, oh, Sam fights Black Panther. Okay. It's stories progressing slowly over there. It's okay title. It's not essential reading for me. But the the Steve Rogers one, its story is also slow, but it's interesting, and I'm enjoying it. I'm still not crazy about the whole co-opting of the shield design, but they're telling a good story, and I'll see how it plays out. Yeah, I, I would agree. I like the one. They both start off pretty good. The symbol of truth, like you said, it's just, it, it, it turns into almost like a Black Panther story the more and more you go and mm-hmm. goes into Wakanda and everything, which is fine. But I like the Sentinel of Liberty, and I'm hoping it, it sticks a landing. The path that they're choosing to go down with that cabal, you know, the shield. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I got my fingers crossed. Good things, hoping. And then you're not reading Punisher, but one thing I wanted to say about the Punisher, I still really like it. Man, it's hard to talk about this book without spoiling. We're, we're six issues in, but there's one big hook. He's trying to save something or someone. And so he cannot leave this compound that the hand has created because of the person he wants mm. to save. And Ares is a hand of the beast. Face and the hand of the beast, which is uh, Frank, they face off in this issue. There's some superpowers that manifest that we get to see, but Ares is Ares, you know, and when you're up against the god, I don't think it's going to end well, especially on his turf. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Gods usually have the advantage. Yeah, so what was interesting is at one point, Ares does say to Frank, you are one of my biggest disciples, and I was like, what the hell? God like, of War, this Punisher is a one-man war. That's true. Yeah, it's like, ah. Yeah, so, very true. But it was like, it, they, they never really talk about that, but it's true. He was one of the biggest disciples, and now he's fighting him. So, mm-hmm. it, it, it's a very interesting read. One thing I will tell you, for the people who got really up in arms and upset about the logo change, Frank is wearing the new symbol. He, he's taken on, like, an Asian theme. He has a right. katana, and he's got the Asian, you know, head. It's a more stylized skull. It's actually not a bad design. Frank was Ares' disciple because Ares is wearing the Punisher skull. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, so the God of War. So it, very cool, and I'm enjoying it, and I thought it was funny, even though some people hate it, but whatever. People get upset about all kinds of things. Daredevil number three was also a really good issue. We get a lot of fallout from uh, the big events that come up, and you have Luke Cage and the mayor facing off against criminals in here. And you get a setup for Daredevil and Electra Daredevil, that's what I'm going to call her, Electra Daredevil, mm-hmm. going up against the new fist of the beast, which is Frank. Mm. <laughs> so and, and so it looks like if they're all going to tie in together, so I think it'll be a fun read. Cool. Yeah, so anything else that you enjoyed? 
Fantastic Four was a fun read. It was. I I agree with you there. That was Dan Slott. Was that his last issue or was no. he gone? Pepos wrote it. It was Pepos writing it. I liked even a little bit when we see Johnny's car, which is a kind of a cross between a sports car and a Fantastic car. Yeah, that was cool. That was just fun. It was it was a good issue. I'm looking forward to the next. But then when we switch to the new volume, is that going to be a take to my liking or not? Don't know yet. Yeah. And I liked how they did some Infinity Gate explaining so that they can't just magically fix what's going on in Axe event. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was kind of nice. Iron Cat, still a great read. Curious how that wraps up next issue. And I think that'll kick into what is yep. it, the uh, Mary Jane and Black Cat series coming next. Yeah, he likes to write these. McKay, he writes these little five or six issue miniseries back to back to back, but he does a good job doing them. Yeah, and as long as he lands the ending and it completes and there's another story, I'm good with that. But if it feels incomplete and I've got to read the next to finish this, that will annoy me. Yeah, yeah. Now, I will tell you, there are some things I canceled. The things that I got rid of were Savage Avengers. This mm-hmm. is the last issue that I will... I think I pre-ordered another issue, but Conan's going out of the book anyways, but it's just not working for me. Pepos is writing this too. I did, I canceling the Thunderbolts. I did. I, the first issue, I was like, oh, it was fine. It was decent. But I didn't feel like I need to read it. The second issue was really bad for me, so I'm out. Okay. And then I did, I'm did. i canceling Predator and Alien. I kind of read both of them. Alien restarted with another their number one, and it's the same stuff that's not going to keep me on. And, and the Predator number two, it's not really a Predator book. So it's like this young girl who is traveling in like a Predator ship, wearing Predator armor, yeah. hunting the Predators. That's not what I want to read. I want to read You, you a mentioned Predator that book. last time, and yeah, it's, it's not the part of the property or not the property you were expecting it to be yeah exactly so i'm out i mean they could have just done a better story but it's i i'm not looking for someone hunting predators i was looking for the predator coming and yeah doing what it does <laughs> for me the one i'm dropping is uh, x-men legends oh yeah i got the second issue okay it's just not a title i need to continue with and i don't have any future issues on pre-order okay yeah that makes sense and there are a couple others that i'm considering do i want to keep or not yeah, and then there's a lot of things wrapping up, like Jane Foster and Mighty Thor were at four. I think the next one's the last issue. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that are ending. And, and another one that I'm going to cancel probably is that Shang-Chi. Here at issue three, I'm just mm. like, eh, it's not that good. I, I, I can get rid of this. Yeah, and like I said, I'm I'm judging everything on kind of, uh, it starts in the middle and either it leads towards keeping it or dropping it. And then if it gets beyond that, I'm keeping it or I'm dropping it. And of course- yeah. When I say I'm keeping it, that's for now. It can fall down on the rating, you know, kind of a thing. It's not a rating. It's a, how's the title doing overall? Yeah. Now, I did want to ask you about one thing because I can't remember if you got it. Did you get that All Out Avengers? Yes. Let's let's talk about that. <laughs> All right. What did you think of that? Nice art. I agree. It was great art. <laughs> the high concept of the series, for those who don't know, is ditch the entire entire concept of plot and story and just have action. Pretty much. <laughs> I'm not sure this is for me. I've got another issue or two in pre-order. I'm probably not going to pre-order anymore unless the next issue or two really works. And they've got some interesting visuals. We've got Greg Land in the art. He's a great artist. But the whole concept of, well, let's let's skip the setup, just go for the action and be done with it. I want a little more story than that. Yeah, it's just a pure action feast. So almost like if you're watching uh, Speed, the movie Speed, you know, where there's very little on the plot side, a lot on the action side. Yeah. It's not bad. If you just want to have a real big action brawling fight book, this is the one for you. But for me, it's just kind of like, eh, do I need to read it? Probably not. If it was something that was just mind-blowing action in terms of, wow, I've never seen them do that kind of power stunt or those tactics or something like that, 
but it was just yeah. a lot of action. Yeah, yeah, I agree. One other one I want to ask you about, because like, I don't want to go over all these, because there's a ton of just like okay stuff. Okay, we got Spider-Man number 9 and 10. I think 10 was the axe tie-in, where we get no story progression, and the art flat-out stunk for me in there. I, I, I don't know what happened to the art, but the people, it was, it was, I hate to say it, but for me, it was like really difficult to read around the art. But you get Gwyn in celestial form. Yeah, yeah. That like like the so basically characters show up to watch others. That was just weird, but interesting. It's again the whole axe judgment stuff. It's not working for me. In uh, Amazing Spider-Man Nine, we've got uh, Spider-Man going after MJ after the whole X-Men Gala. So we get some follow-up there, which was nice. Yeah. Cryptic clue about the missing six months. Yeah, very cryptic. Yeah, and then in 10, we get Peter and Jonah going on an apology tour each. Very weird. <laughs> Gwen showing up and not showing up, and we get some more clues to what happened. You know, Peter tried to save someone he loved. It didn't work out as expected. What's going on there? We're 10 issues in. I still don't happen know what happened between volumes, and I'm starting to not care. I'm starting to get frustrated because I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it's com- coming down to frustration at this point. I'm like, okay... Let's get there, because we're almost eight months, I'm guessing, by ten issues, seven months. All right, let's tell tell me what's going on. We're far enough in. I'm frustrated with that. I've been getting Spider-Man since he first got the black costume in Amazing Spider-Man, what, 252 or whatever it was? Yeah. So I've been on this title for a long time, but I don't know if that's going to keep me on the title. Yeah, and the thing is, I really like the character. I love the character when you have the right person. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to Spider-Man's coming out written by Dan Slott. I'm looking forward to that more than what I'm reading in Amazing Spider-Man at this point. It may be that if Slott's back to to form, because he did a great run on Spider-Man, if the Spider-Man title is working for me better than this, maybe that's my out on Amazing. Exactly. You might do, hey, I I can't read this Spider-Man. I'll go read this one. (laughs) Here you go. Yeah. Pick and choose. (laughs) So anyways, but you know, there's a lot of just other stuff that was just kind of like, okay. and, And stuff that I'm getting rid of already, like Moon Knight, I'm canceling. New Fantastic Four going away, you know, just stuff like that. Miles Morales, they're having a new writer, so I think that's ending. Saladin Ahmed's dropping off the book, and I've been enjoying his stuff, so just a lot of okay stuff. Yeah, and again, a lot of these are miniseries and stuff, which is why I didn't even bother putting them on a list of do I keep it or drop it. It's like a few of these are just going to fade away on their own. Exactly. So, but I, I was hoping for stuff that would excite me more than I got out of Marvel this time around. Instead, I feel like I'm going into the holidays with just adequate. That's, that's the way I feel. It's adequate. <laughs> it's okay. It gives me something to read, but it's not something I'm excited to read and chomping at the bit to read. If that's the way I feel. That's I'm what I want my, my list to be gearing yes, towards. I agree. Shall we head over to the other publishers? Yes, this list has gotten a lot shorter for me because I used to get the bulk of my stuff here. I only got 16 comics here. I only got 23, which is way down for me. Out of them, four of them are not going to be around next time, maybe five, six? Yeah. And I have some some on here that I've already canceled and some that I'm probably going to be canceling on the next order form. So I'm getting a slimmer here, too. Yeah. I'll tell you about one I, I did enjoy that was a new number one. I'm just curious. We don't have to talk about it first, but did you get Vanish? I did not. Okay, that's a Donny Cates book from Image, and I did enjoy it. I thought it was good. But I thought this is one thing I said. I said, this book I enjoyed, and I believe that you would hate it because there's some profanity, some gore from the jump. And I don't think you would enjoy it, but if you don't mind profanity and gore and you like to hear about, you know, if you like Donny Cates as a writer, it's very enjoyable. You get a young kid using magic and hunting an adult character. 
and all is not as it seems as the script literally flips, which is what Donny Cates does all the time, and a tattooed sigil is displayed, and it becomes an anti-hero book. If the art by Stegman is some of the best art I've ever seen by Ryan Stegman. Hmm. Interesting. For me, there's a couple... I mean, I finally got the last issue of, of Radiant Red, that five-issue miniseries. So that completes ah, that. They have a new one coming out called Radiant Pink. Yeah, they do. All right, you're not getting it out. <laughs> well, to me, what I think was the deciding factor was Radiant Black number 18 this time around. Yeah. Four stories of the same character in different time frames told in parallel. All double-page spreads, one along the top tier, then the, the second one on the second tier, the third on the third tier, the fourth on the fourth tier. So you're, like, constantly switching gears between these things, and one or two of them are really slow, a little, others are a little more dense or whatever, so the stories aren't even being told kind of at the same pace, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And it's just, I hate that kind of storytelling format. It, just, it doesn't work for me. And I've been on the fence on a lot of these titles, so I'm, I'm thinking it's time to drop the Massive Verse titles. That makes sense. That And that by cutting one thing, you pretty much cut them all. That's quite a few titles. I mean, I'll still have a few more on pre-order. I think I've got another two issues of Radiant Black. I don't know how many on um, Rogue Sun or whatever. But yeah, I, I think I'm just going to cut the cord on this. Yeah. As, as excited as I was of them doing kind of Sentai stuff, they're not. They're yeah, using the, the window dressing of Sentai, but they're not doing the team book and that sort of a thing that I was hoping for. Interesting. Well, I'll tell you the book of the the month and the indie side. There was two that I really enjoyed, but the one that I put as like my top pick was Death Dealer number five. And what's weird about it, it's that Opus Comics thing, and it was like Frank Frazetta art, you know, having the Death Dealer. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it switches gears with issue number five, and it was not about the Death Dealer, even though the book is called Death Dealer. And I read it at the end; they had this write up. Oh, surprise! This is a one shot. It's a completely different story about this kid and you know praying to the goddess of the sea the sea goddess you know praying and praying to her because there's these let's say barbarians or whatever coming to attack their city you know with swords and shields and everything and so the boy's praying giving offerings and you know the 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 goddess is basically telling him you know your offerings are nothing to me give me something that i i can't have you know i'm a goddess and it's about the boy's struggle to give her something that a goddess doesn't have mm-hmm. and so it, but it ends very sad but at the same time kind of happy so I, I really enjoyed it i thought it was just written very well and had nothing to do it should have just been a one shot not called death dealer but it was it was fantastic interesting yeah so a great one shot it does sound like it should have been a one shot though not part of the ongoing book yeah it was really good so what what did you really enjoy this month because i have some other ones that i enjoyed i know you got lazarus did, I, did you like it Lazarus Ridden number seven, I like that. It's the final issue of this volume. Which, yeah, which came out over a year ago, the last quarterly, quote-unquote quote quarterly. <laughs> Did you read what he said in the Rucka end? Rucka owns up to that, and I appreciate that. The property is yeah. coming back as Lazarus Fallen, which would be a 12 to 14 issue monthly series in a year or so, whenever they've got enough kind of done that they can actually get it out monthly. Yeah. And I'll probably get that series. I'm sure I will. But it was interesting, because there was one scene in this that lasted 29 pages. Yeah. Can't do that in a regular monthly format. You really can't. Uh, This book, to me, just because it's come out so spread out over time, it almost begs to be be reread in like a trade. Yeah. like, Like a big hardcover, you know, all the material, because it is a fantastic book. But, you know, I struggle sometimes with my memory. He does get you caught up. But I think it just would read better back to back to back. I would agree that this is a denser book 
than most. I think Rucka puts a lot in on the writing side. He's built up a very defined world. Yeah. Lark's doing a great job on the art, but the the pacing on the release schedule, and they know this, and they're working on it. So it's like, they're pulling back, they're going to wait until they've got enough to get it monthly, which I appreciate, and then hopefully that builds up the momentum. Fingers crossed, yeah, because this is, when it's on, and when it comes out, this is usually one of my favorite titles that comes out. It's one that I think does a really good job. If it was something just based on me adding or dropping stuff based on, you know, is it in my wheelhouse or whatever, this would this falls out of that. It's more political intrigue and that kind of a thing than, you know, it's not remotely superheroes at all. Yeah, not at all. And but it's 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 really well done. Really, really well done. <laughs> but what else did you did you like? I mean, like out there that you got this month? Star Trek 400 was good. Awesome. It had a couple of, it was an anthology celebration of having done 400 issues, etc. And it was, you know, a Miles O'Brien story that seemed to be pre-next-gen, a few other things here and there, and even one that was one that I really would like to see them do a follow-up on, either as a TV show, and I think there's precedent for that, a novel or a series of comics. Yeah. But there was one story that I thought was definite, uh, well done, and uh, they, they got the right writer for it. Cool. And the, the artist on that one was Joe Esma from Morning Glories. So oh, yeah, Good yeah, art yeah. on that one, too. Yeah, I, li- I like that art. There was a bit at the end that seemed to be a cryptic tease for the new story, but it's like, yeah, it didn't work for me. Yeah. But I am looking forward to the new Star Trek series coming out. So, nice. all in all, for a, a 100th issue sort of a thing, that worked. Another one that I thought was really good was Mighty Morphin Power Rangers 100. Now, granted, I'm not a fan of red text on black word balloons, but they did that. <laughs> A little hard to read, but we had the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers versus the Omega Rangers. There was one place where there was just a massive shift in the art style for one page, where it went from like comic book style art to like photorealistic. It was a beautiful page, and then back. And story wise, it kind of made sense. Okay, but it did kind of bump me out of the story first uh, a bit. But all in all, it was a solid end to Ryan Parrott's run on the Power Rangers. Interesting. So it, was, it was it was a good hundredth issue. Nice. Well. I'll give you a few that I really did enjoy. Okay, one of them would be Department of Truth, number 21. Mm-hmm. Some of the issues were before this were good and okay, but this one was really solid. Fantastic issue. So Cole's loyalty is pushed to the max in this book. Cole's the main character. And we get the U.S. slash Soviets, uh, you know, the different sides. They are almost breaking out into an all-out war against each other. And the the question placed in this book, or you know, put forth to the readers. What do you do when all secrets and info can be changed? So let's see, like, let's take the Vietnam War and they're talking about propaganda, propaganda, propaganda. Actually, the, what they used in this was the gold in Fort Knox. Mm. There was never any gold in Fort Knox, but so many people talk about gold in Fort Knox, gold in Fort Knox, that gold just appeared. And that's enough to fund the agency. Oh, that's funny. Because the people willed it into being by saying this. So you have to almost find a place outside of reality where documents and things cannot be changed. And that mm. becomes the real truth because people will remember stuff. I remember it was this way. And then you even go to look at documents, things that you, secrets or info, intelligence, and it's changed and it's maddening. So they have a way to protect secrets in certain places. So it gets into all this weird, trippy stuff. I think it was just really clever writing and just terrific read the other one that was really good is another one not in my wheelhouse but it's written very well 
do a power bomb number four. It's a wrestling book by da- Daniel Warren Johnson. Good art, wrestling at its best. And I haven't watched it since the 90s. You get the father and daughter teaming up. They almost lose a bout. It gets pretty brutal, but they actually end up winning the bout that they are placed in. And then you see an uncle that is there fighting to for the same goal that they're fighting for. Hmm. And so it looks like they may have to face their uncle. And so this is a no-holds-barred, fight-to-the-death type wrestling stuff. So I'm like, oh, that's interesting how that's playing out. And then the other one that I did want to ask you about, though, you got Erratic Volume 2, number one. Did you like it? I wasn't crazy about the art style. It was a little cartoony. It is cartoony. The coloring was such that things are feeling a little more chaotic versus, like, I don't know, leading your eye to the important parts of the panel and stuff. Yeah. So I'm not loving it. You're not loving it. Okay. I felt like I didn't like this one as much as I liked the first series, but it was decent for me. It wasn't like, wow, I love this book, but it was decent. I am curious about this countdown clock. I got to know what's going on with that. Yeah, and this is only going to be, what, a, a four or five issue thing. So That's I'll, it. I'll yeah. ride it out, see where it goes. But I, it's feeling a little indulgent on the creator's part. Yeah, I would agree with you there. So, I mean, beyond that, you know, like, there's one called Absolution, which I think is good. It's a Peter Milligan series from AWA. It, it, it's been good. It's, uh, you know, the pre- that's the one where it's almost like a Twitch gaming type thing and people are watching this girl. Yeah, you mentioned that last time, yeah. Yeah, so it's still terrific. The other one that was good was Metal Society number 5, and that's a Zach Kaplan series. And I think it was Image. I honestly can't remember. I think it is an Image series, and this wraps it up. And it was a nice wrap-up. You get a good fight. It ends different than I would have thought, and it gives you hope for the future. It got a little kumbaya and you know, everyone coming together and lovey-dovey yeah. and, you know, holding candles. So it got that a little bit, eh, for me, like, with with that stuff. But overall, it's a good series. And then Sacrament number two, which is the other Peter Milligan one. I know he has two of them, where he's the religion exorcist thing mm-hmm. with the priest on the run. That's still a very cool story, and I'm really enjoying it. Cool. It, yeah, some that didn't work this time, like Seven Sons number four. This was just a weird issue, the first one I didn't like. And then one of the books I'm getting rid of is Grimm. I got up to issue number five, and the story's just kind of lost me at this point, and I'm not enjoying it as much as I used to. I can understand that. I yeah. sampled one this time called Crashing. Crashing, yeah. Was that good? That was from IDW, wasn't it? Yeah, it was from IDW. Okay. Uh, and I sampled it. I've only pre-ordered the one. The art was not to my liking, and I just didn't care for the main character, who's essentially a junkie doctor who seems to be in debt to the like the mob or the supervillains or something, and... I just, there was nothing, I mean, the doctor to the superheroes, but the superheroes shouldn't get treated or, you know, whatever. There was an interesting premise. I didn't think it executed well on it, and certainly not in a way that, that makes me want to come back for more. Interesting. All right. But, uh, I'm just not the, the core audience for it. Well, th- that was one of the ones I didn't pick up. I did get, I think it was Scott Snyder or someone, or Dark Places from IDW, and I just read one, and I, it was called Earth Divers. But it came out in October, so I'm not going to spoil it, but I didn't like it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, eh, that didn't work. <laughs> out of the 16, though, between uh, I'm not getting more of Crashing, Godzilla vs. Power Rangers completed, Lazarus Ridden completed, uh, Radiant Black I'm eventually going to be dropping, but I've got a few more on pre-order, Radiant Red uh, completed, Rivers of London Deadly After After completed, uh, Star Trek Mirror Work Troy was a one-shot, about a third of this stuff is not going to be here next month. I'm in the same boat. I have a lot of it going away. And I think a lot of the indie creator things, they t- 
tend to go into hiatus over the holidays. Yeah. And uh, they, they all seem to do that. And I'm like, I know you guys don't want to work over the holidays, but don't you want some cash? Somebody's got to buy comics over there. <laughs> but make your stuff stand out, maybe, but whatever. But I, I'm with you. I, I A lot of my stuff's dropping off. I'd cut a lot of things, and it's just kind of petering out. This has gone from where I was getting 40 independent titles, 45, to now it's 23, and I bet you it's going to be in the teens next month. Yeah, for me, it's definitely dropping off on the uh, the indie section. But I will say with all those cuts that a lot more of what I'm getting in here is stuff that I'm really liking. Because uh, I'm very careful about what I'm adding to my list. Like, I, I did add that Earth Divers, which I'll talk about next month. But I mean, like, I'm very careful about adding stuff. I used to add almost any image number one. And now I look at the, a lot of what image has coming out. I'm like, oh, this is what what is this? Yeah. It seems like a lot of the talent, both at Marvel, DC, and even at Image, like the indie writers, a lot of the big names have just kind of gone on to doing, uh, I don't know what they're doing, other stuff. I think some of it is, I don't know if they've gone on, or the publishers can't afford them anymore, or what's going on. But there's definitely a shift in the talent pool, and a lot of the creators these days, it's not a question of are they good or bad. Some of them are very good, I just don't like what they're doing. That happens too. And so then it's like, did we age out, did we change, or did they change as writers? And that's what I don't know. I think there's a little of both. I think definitely I've changed over the years, but I also think what's being offered is fundamentally different than what was being offered 20, 30 years ago. I would agree. Yeah, completely. That's not good or bad, but it's noticeable. It's just the way it is. Yeah. So, which brings us to the question, with things not being what you like, and you've, you've talked about DC, how you haven't enjoyed a lot of what they've done. Some stuff they're changing. They're bringing back the Justice Society. We may see Jeff Johns writing the Legion. This this thing that happened with DC, where they're saying, "Hey, we're gonna release digitally one month after the books are on the shelves if you pay this upgraded, let's say twenty five dollars a month for their DC Infinite app." Yeah, is that tempting to you to, to to sample stuff instead of buying it and being on the hook for three months worth of books? Well, I've I've had a subscription for DC Universe Infinite or whatever for a little while now. Uh, particularly because of doing like the Legion Spotlight and stuff like that. Yeah. So at this point, it wasn't a matter of do I want to pay the $100 a year for it? You know, it was a matter of do I want to upgrade for the $25? Exactly. And even at the $100 a year, okay, cover price on a, a, a comic is three ninety nine. So suppose you get two a month for 12 months. You do the math, you're essentially paying for the equivalent of, of the Ultra tier already. And if all I'm dealing with is the $25 difference or whatever, yeah, I've, I've gone ahead and upgraded. Yeah. And I've got a, kind of a free trial until my current subscription ends or whatever, and then it'll just kick in at that point. So I, I was on a little earlier before we started recording, and already the stuff, because we're recording this on October 11th, the day after yeah. it went live at Ultra, and they've already got up through September 14th already available. Wow. So if you think about it, you could read... Every issue of Flashpoint Beyond, all five issues. Yeah, that's the current run. You could you can read it right now and, and not have paid anything other than for you a twenty five dollar upgrade. Yeah, yeah. It, it, does that does that incentivize you to the point where you're like, w- would you ever consider like maybe I'll just buy a few books that I know I love just to keep the run going for a collection, and I'll just read everything digitally? Or it certainly has me questioning if if that's the right move or not. Yeah, I, I, some people like me, I look at it and I'm like, man, I could save a bundle and just read digitally and kind of sort my collection and just get it all organized. <laughs> yeah. And that'll be my hobby and, and read, read 
and if I really like something, I can pick up an omnibus or a nice hardcover. It, it comes down to re- really raising the question for me of why do I want to have the physical copy? It really does. And what was, I don't want to say funny, but what was interesting, kind of shocking, but not shocking, is DC, the day after I think that announcement came out, said, oh, by the way, everything's returnable for the next three months. Well, they have to do that. Otherwise, somebody like Brian Hibbs would sue them. Uh, yeah, I think the lawsuit was coming. <laughs> I don't think that's out of line. Yeah, I think this is going to hurt some shops, a lot of shops, actually. And I think it, it has the potential of really hurting Lunar distribution. They invested a lot into this and they, you know, the Warner Brothers that set that up, it it's not now it's discovery running the show. Different executives. They well, have no loyalty. And there was some news coming out today as we record this that there could be another round of layoffs throughout the whole Warner spectrum including DC and such. Yeah. So definitely some some rough times for them. But anytime you raise the question of should I be getting the printing? Should I go should I go for the subscription model? I mean, yeah. imagine if a gas station basically said, for the cost of whatever three gallons is going for, you can have as much gas as you want all month. Yeah. That, that changes the, the economics of it seriously, and it, it starts putting things out of business or whatever if they're not careful. Yeah, I love my local gas station attendant, but I like saving X amount of dollars even more. Yeah. And I don't know if Marvel will follow suit. I was just say that's the big question. If they do, that's going to be the other shoe that drops. Because if that happens, print even more so becomes, I, I don't know, like, like the indies I don't think can keep the, the shops afloat. And I think a lot of people will be okay maybe reading digitally and then picking up what they like and trade, they, what they really like in, in a hardcover or something like that. Yeah. And, and I'm talking about me too. I'm like, imagine if we just, you went on vacation and we had delayed our monthly comic spotlights. Just mm-hmm. because you had to get caught up, we could record a month behind <laughs> and yeah. save a ton and save a boatload of cash in the process. Well, I mean, at this point, we're recording typically around the second week of the month. If we just say, "Hey, we'll do it at the end of of one month for the previous or something," or maybe you know, go a little further or something like that, there's we absolutely could do it strictly off the for for DC the ultra tier and stuff like that. And if Marvel has a similar thing coming down the line, and you know they've got to be considering it. Yeah. Definitely, it's a game changer for the industry. It really is. So I I think this has more impact than the distributor changes with, like, Lunar and Penguin Miranda in the house. I don't know if it has more, but I think the two in combination are a killer. Something's going to break, and I'm just waiting. And that's not me being mean. I'm just like, I I just feel like it's coming. Like an inevitable wave of stuff is going to happen. Dominoes are going to start falling. I just don't know that getting $100 out of me over the course of a year is enough of a revenue stream for, for DC to continue producing new material. That's the key. If, if enough people think like you and I just discussed, let's go digital, let's save the money, I, I don't think they can pay top-tier writers to create new stuff. These, the, these people got to have to eat, they have families. And so then you get a different tier of writers that you you and I may, may not enjoy what they're writing. And then it just becomes like, oh, this is access to this database of uh, archived material that used to be great back in the 1980s and 90s and 2010 or whenever we're reading. Well, I mean, I got 23 comics from DC this time around for a total cover price of $101.77. Yep. So for one month, that's basically Your subscription. the subscription for the year. 
can they survive if their income drops by, you know, a twelfth? And I don't think so. I don't think they can survive off that. No. And 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 I don't think just because of Discovery making all the cuts, uh, Discovery Time Warner, I don't know what they're called. I don't think they're in a mood to subsidize anything as a loss leader at this point. If this were at the height of, say, the CW shows, or if the movies were, were really going full swing or something like that, maybe? But even that's yeah. a bad move. Yeah. So I, I, I was surprised by the announcement. I was surprised as a current subscriber to DC Universe uh, Infinite, I had no idea it was coming. I still have not gotten an email from them saying, hey, by the way. <laughs> but since I knew about it, it's like, yeah, what the hell, I'll go ahead and do it. Uh, I mean, again, 25 bucks a year, 50 cents a week, it, it's not that big of a deal to me. You yeah. Know? It's, it's something, though, that from a consumer point of view, if you're okay with the subscription model, and there are pros and cons to it, the minute I cancel the subscription, I'm cut off from that. Yep. But it doesn't fill up a room in my house. That's a big thing, especially as you age. Yes. As I age, I, every time I go in there and I lift boxes, <laughs> comic boxes, I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> uh, my, my foundation's probably cracking under the weight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think it's also going to be a little while before they've really filled out the library of DC Universe Infinite. It doesn't have, you know, all the Wonder Woman stuff or, you know, all even all the Legion of Superhero stuff. There's some noticeable gaps and stuff. Yeah. Fortunately, I've got a, a collection of, of nearly 70,000 comics, and that's not counting the hardcovers, the trades, the digests and stuff, where a lot of these things are reprinted in, in other formats and such. So yeah. I don't think print is dead, but I think... DC making this move is an absolute, complete, and utter reversal from the stand they had four or five years ago, where they were very much supporting of the, the brick-and-mortar stores and the retail community and such, and doing what they could to, to maintain the Wednesday warrior mentality. Yeah. That's gone. And I'm just waiting, bated breath, for Brian Hibbs' next article, Tilting at Windmills, because he had just written about how he makes more money selling a comic from Diamond or Marvel than he does from from DC and Lunar. DC, yeah. and he's like, it's just, and he explained it all. Here's the discounts. Here's what it is. Now, on top of it, he, they're gonna age the material that much faster. Oh, after a month, you can get it digitally. I think he's gonna be livid. He should be. I, I would expect him to be, and I would expect him to probably stop ordering any DC for the rack and only do it for for subscribers. Yeah, I think him and all of his, I hate to call them acolytes, but people that are really follow Brian Hips and they listen to him, I think a lot of stores are going to do that just out of pure anger. And, and, and I can't blame them. Yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, so very interesting. And I'm, I, I'm waited. I'm waiting. Marvel's hasn't said a word. I, and I'm, I'm kind of hoping they don't do anything, but if they do, I, I may have to make a change just with myself, you know, like I, I think about those things, you know, like, oh, that would be nice to not have to file it away, and take a new box and stack it on top of this stuff and do this and that. I'm like, wow, everything's just organized <laughs> automatically. It, it, it's tempting. But like you said, there's downsides, too. Once the power goes out or once you stop paying the money, yeah. it's gone. Yeah. So pros and cons, but very tempting. Be interesting to see what Marvel's reaction to this is going to be. Yeah, I'm really waiting. So I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm excited. I'm just like, I, I, but I am anticipating it. I want to see if, what they do. Yeah. Now, we got some questions this time around. Yeah, let's do that. All of these are from Jason Z. Uh, 
First question was uh, startup number two. How are you enjoying this character's story and the binge books overall? Are you reading the binge books? Okay, I bought the binge books in bulk a long time ago from Cowabunga. I'm talking like mm-hmm. a couple a couple years ago. He sent out an order form, and I ordered a bunch of. I read startup number two. I read the super suckers. I read all that stuff, but I read it years ago. I did not re- read the latest one that just came out. But I thought it was terrific. I really like startup. That's the super fast lady. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And so I, I think the books, the binge books, are terrific. They're wholesome if you have kids you can mm-hmm. read them to your kids hand them to your kids and not have to worry about it and it, it's icons of the industry that are creating these things so it, it's just really nice i i'm on my board for it but i already owned all of them so i didn't pick it up when they came out of preview so yeah i'd gotten a lot of them before i've been getting them now anyways just to oh okay to, to do that i'm enjoying the stuff i think it's a great value for the price point like you said icons of the industry are doing this stuff but i'll also be honest it's not essential reading and as i cut back this could fall into the area of the cuts. But I can see that. Not because of price point or quality or anything of the sort. It's just I am looking to trim some of my reading. No, that that, that makes sense. I, I think this reading is what I would say more essential if you had kids. Yes. If you've got kids or you're looking to get kids into comics, this is all ages appropriate and satisfying and much more akin to the tone and style of 80s comics that I grew up on than anything today. I would agree with you 100%. Okay, next question. Justice League versus Legion of Superheroes 1 through 6. What was your overall take on this series? Do you see this version of Legion being able to support an ongoing series? You want to know my take? Yeah. I cut it halfway through. I cut it in issue 3. <laughs> that was my take. I cut it in issue 3. <laughs> so, uh, honestly, I, I was not enjoying it, so I, I got rid of it. So you'll have to answer this one, John. I thought it was a pointless story. I think it took more issues than it needed to. I thought Brainiac 5 had mentioned the Gold Lantern and Turing didn't come from the Guardians, but, uh, wait, this is what happens in this series, most of which seem to be off-panel, but okay. I think it was a horribly told story, so I, I my, my take on the series was it was an entertaining read, but I do not respect the title or the creative choices behind it. Now, could this version of the Legion be able to support an ongoing series? Uh, they tried and they failed. Yep. I think they could, but not if Bendis is writing it, because again, he puts too many characters in it, too many words on the page. He's trying to do this this epic saga in 20 pages a month or whatever. It just it doesn't read well. Yeah. And I don't think this group can or should go beyond Bendis, because I don't think he's done anything particularly definitive or defining even for these characters. Yeah, I agree. I'm hoping Jeff Johns brings back the Classic Legion again, because he's done it before. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I think this is the last title that Bendis is writing at DC. So I I don't think he's been in any of the solicits for anything coming out. So the next Legion, I think, will not be him unless they magically have him come back. And if that happens, I'm hoping it's Jeff Johns, and then I'll definitely read it. Well, there's been a tease in Flashpoint Beyond on the chalkboard of like the War of the Four Legions or something. Yeah. And it's like we've had the the Legion of Three Worlds, which is a great series, something we ought to consider doing for a back-issue spotlight at some point. But this group, again, it's had 20 issues. I don't think we've really gotten too much character definition on most of the characters, and certainly nothing that makes me think this should be the Legion, and it's certainly not the Legion I want to have going forward. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, next question. New Fantastic Four number one through five. What are your thoughts on the series? Do you feel it relates at all to the 90s versions when they took over the Fantastic Four for a few issues 
back around Fantastic Four. Let's see, Jason says 347 to 349. No no worries if you want to wait to discuss this book after the entire series is released. Do you like it? I've actually, I enjoyed the first issue. The subsequent issues have been okay for me, and they felt very 90s-ish to me, the way they're written, and the enjoyment I get from them. I would say it's not the best stuff that Peter David's revisited. I would agree with that, but he also didn't really do that run of Fantastic Four. I think that was Walt Simonson. Yeah. So it's not his stuff he's bringing back. Correct. Now, it relates to the old story in so much as it has the same characters and stuff, but it doesn't really feel like an extension of that storyline, but just takes place right after it, sort of. Yeah, it feels very different. And, I mean, granted, I haven't reread that storyline since it first was published back in the early 90s. That was so long ago, you're testing our memory, 30 years. <laughs> I fail those tests, uh, yeah. period. I mean, it's it's not a bad miniseries, but it's also not essential reading. That's how I felt with it, too. I, I felt like the first issue, I was like, oh, this is pretty good. And the second issue, I was like, eh, it's, it's, it's okay. It's it's decent. It's something that I would put in that okay, and you could skip it, and you wouldn't miss anything. Yeah, yeah. And the difference between this and like the Maestro stuff is Peter David created Maestro. Yeah, and you can feel the passion there, and... He created it, and he loves it. You can feel it. He's going back to where he'd been before and, and telling more stories he didn't have a chance to before or something like that. That's not the case here. Exactly. Yep. Okay, next question. Tim Drake, Robin number one. What was your anticipation going into the series, and do you think it's a good take so far on the Tim Drake character? I know I've really beaten around the bush on this. I was overly, overly optimistic that we might be getting a title along the lines of the original Robin series featuring Tim Drake. I've read the first issue. I'm dropping the titles based on the story and the art. The lettering was fine. I didn't care for the revisions they've made to the Tim Drake character. I don't see that getting rolled back either. This is something that is a bit of a sticking point for me. They've made changes to characters over the years, so it's not like I'm against change. I just think putting overt sexuality, uh, sexual orientation into characters left, right, and center is, is overdone. It is cliché. Yep. And it doesn't add to the character, add to that an art style I don't like, and a let's go put him into this bizarre marina that makes no sense and all that. It just it didn't work for me on so many levels. Yeah, I saw the creative team and I was out, and you summed it up in one word. The lettering was fine. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that sums it up. The lettering was fine. Everything else, eh. <laughs> and then the last question, a Savage Avengers number five. Feel free to hold thoughts oh. until September Monthly Comic Spotlight, which this is. James, I would love to hear your thoughts on the series overall, and specifically the way in which they surprisingly sent off Conan after previously saying he would continue in Marvel team-up books. This seems to coincide with all collected editions featuring Conan also stopping by December 2022. Yeah, I, I, I'm not happy with that. Okay, the first Savage Avengers series was fantastic for what it was. It became the, the equivalent of like Marvel team-up with Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. it, it was Conan team-up. Conan and... He'd happen to tumble into a situation. He was teamed up with whoever, you know, character X, Y, and Z, and they go off on an adventure. And then it ended really epic with a really, you know, a world-ending fight, which I thought was just fantastic. So going into this, I thought it was, I was anticipating it. I'm like, hey, this is going to be my Conan book. Apparently, they can publish this stuff because, look, the Europeans are doing it, or look at a blaze. They're doing it with the Sumerian. But mm -hmm. apparently not because it's go he's going away. So we get Conan for a few issues in here it's a an eclectic team of like weapon h this character that character and their brother none of them seem to make any sense being together the entire first issue was getting the band together 
nothing happened other than getting these people together. That's not a good start for a book to hook you. Yeah. And it just went downhill from there. And now they got rid of Conan on top of it. I'm out. I dropped it. I believe it issue six. So I'm really disappointed. And I think if Marvel would have called it Savage Avenger, not Avengers with an S, but Avenger, and they could have, or just Savage Tales, it's a book that they have, and and just kept Conan in the pages. Apparently, that's okay to do because he's in the public domain. Why they're choosing not to do that, I don't know. And I'm I'm kind of disappointed. Is he entirely in the public domain, or would only the early stuff be the early stuff? But like, it's weird because there's these original stories which were created over in Europe. Mm-hmm. And they've been able to bring those titles over here. They just cannot have Conan on the cover. And Ablaze has published them under the Sumerian. Right. Trademark versus copyright. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, apparently all over the world, Conan is in the public domain. Here in the U.S., on the movie side, he's not in the public domain. But in the books, I think he is. And that's a big I think. I'm not an attorney, so I don't know. And so I'm looking at if Ablaze is publishing these things that were created in the year 2010 over in Italy. They should be able to do something here with just a different cover. It's just disappointing because it's it's one thing to reprint stuff that's entered the public domain. Yeah. It's another thing to tell new stories with a character that has partially entered the public domain. Correct. Yeah. And that's where I don't – that may be the sticking point because they were probably riffing on the tales from the original – I can't even think of his name right now, the guy who wrote it. But anyways. (laughs) But isn't this all to be expected? We yeah. knew this was a risk when they started doing this stuff. I, I believe I mentioned it in the podcast back then. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's unfortunate, but... But they did they did allude to this. He was going to be in there, and then he wasn't. So I felt like as a bait and switch, it was dishonest on their part. And also, I, I side with Brawlinator on the Slack channel when he said Marvel knew when this date was cutting off, when they weren't going to renew it. Mm-hmm. They went up to issue, and I'm making up because for the life of me, I can't. I don't know off the top of my head. Let's say issue 120 of the Savage Short of Conan in the Omnibus Edition. Well, that's only about, let's say, two-thirds of the way. And they didn't finish it. And they knew when that deadline was. Yeah, shame on them for not they, – they, they had the stuff digitally because Dark Horse had repaired. They just had to push it out. Just push it out. Well, let's not give Marvel a hard time for this because depending how the contracts were written, it is entirely conceivable that they could have – accelerated the plans, gotten everything to, to get the collections and stuff out there. That's and true. All that would have done is given them the sales for those couple of months, and then those collections essentially could be printed by everybody else that they did all the work for. You know, that that is true. Because if they would have missed that deadline, whoever came up next could have just printed it. Well, even if they didn't miss the That's deadline, I, I know that there are some cases, like part of but why when Disney comics, uh, like uh, Uncle Scrooge and all that stuff, are licensed that it's usually reprints and not new material, because my understanding of that license is uh. you're putting it into the pot and anyone internationally can go use it. So suppose uh. that... Marvel's doing all the work and then other people are going to be reprinting it later on. And reaping the rewards, potentially. That would be frustrating, and that makes sense. Now, I do not know if that has anything to do with the Conan situation whatsoever. Me neither. <laughs> I really but don't. But there are other cases where that kind of thing comes into play, so it is conceivable. And there are people that know, and we're never going to know the real reason. It, to, uh, to me as a reader, I just chalk it up to frustration. And with the characters that they have in the new Savage Avengers, I don't like any of them enough, even the Hulk-Wolverine hybrid we- Weapon H, to stick around. And Pepos, to me, is a average writer at best. I can understand all of that. 
and, and that not to insult the guy, it's just no. But a, I mean, it, either he works for you or he doesn't. And if it's just yeah, he works okay, that's not enough necessarily to keep getting a book. Exactly. So that's where I am. I'm, I'm out. I'm done. Well, I mean, we talked about a character I really like at the Tim Drake Robin, or liked potentially past tense now, and that's not <laughs> enough to get me on his solo book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, DC's been making interesting decisions. Ugh. Yeah. 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 So those are the questions we got. Again, we have open submission uh, policy for questions. We've got a place on the forum to go put them in. I check that every time before we record so we can answer them at the end of these episodes. Yeah. And a nice long episode this was. Yes. <laughs> Anything else? Are we good? Hey, I'm good. Cool. Recording clips for the preview spotlight episodes is easy, and we've got an open submission policy for these episodes. Please send in clips to support the comics you love as often as you can. If you'd like to get email reminders for the preview spotlight episodes, you can join the emailing list on the main page of the comicbookpage.com website. The deadline is typically the second Saturday of the month at 9 a.m. Check the main page of the website for more information and the exact deadline for the next preview spotlight. The show notes and forum for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.